right? I can get cut from a team. I can get, you know, turned down by a group of friends. I can get turned down by a girl. I can get so-and-so like there, I can get, you know, not hired for a job. I can, you know, not cross a finish line. It doesn't matter because I'm going to get back up because that's what I always did as a child. And I made it. Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Lens with Roger Huss. And today's guest is not only a motivational speaker, an author, full-time business badass. Uh, <laughs> um, he's also a client of mine who I've been so thankful to work with and help develop his online presence. Uh, he's ran marathons for charity. He's rang the bell at NASDAQ. I can go on and on about the things that he's done and he's achieved. And I truly believe he's just getting started with stepping into who he's meant to be. I'm so thankful and happy to announce Bishoy Tadros is on the episode today. Bishoy, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. This is super exciting. I uh, can't wait to dive in. So I want to get right into it and let people know who is Bishoy. Wow, that was a loaded question for question number one, but I'm excited to answer. Uh, Bishoy um, is a man in the making. I mean, there really is no, uh, you know, biographical answer to that question. Um, you know, I continue to wake up every single day uh, with, you know, an ambition and a hope to just be better than I was the day before. So, you know, I, I, I like to always kind of make sure that people know that authentically um, there's nothing special about the man on the side, this side of the camera. Uh, just someone who's going at life, just like everybody else. I love that. So I want people, you know, in the quick intro that I gave, I just dropped some things that you've been able to do. Um, but I think the greatest thing is that you've been able to overcome some barriers. And, you know, I know that that's your book, Breaking Barriers. And I'm so thankful that I was able to photograph that night as well for you. And I was a part of that special moment in your life, which was incredible to see so many people that showed up. Uh, and that just shows your power and your significance in other people's lives and the support that you have from the people that you've been able to grow with and uh, do life with. But I want to, can you let tell people uh, what was that breaking moment for you that allowed you to push for more? Sure. And I believe, I don't want to say it, but I believe, I think you know what I'm referring to. Yeah, I really do appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so for anyone listening, I'll, I'll share a little bit of my background and what led to the various mentions of, of accolades or just moments of my lifetime that kind of came about over the last couple of years. So my background is I was born in Egypt when I was three years old. I was diagnosed with leukemia. So my parents immigrated for me to get treatment. And um, the main preface of Break Barriers, my book, is I talk about the mindset that I developed between the ages of three and 13, undergoing cancer treatment as an immigrant child who just couldn't fit in no matter which way he wanted to, whether it was socially, culturally, athletically, you know, whatever I did, it just wasn't working out. And it was those lessons that I learned throughout that period in my lifetime that I applied in my adult life to eventually find success, whether it was in my professional career, out on the playing field from an athletic perspective, um, and in other arenas of my life, even when it came to publishing my book. The really cool thing about my book that I really like to kind of let people know about is that 
I had no literary background. I wasn't some sort of English major. Um, I didn't have a particularly um, skilled, um, you know, set of when it came to writing or, or just even articulating. I, I Googled how to write a book. Um, and I Googled that. And then nine months later, I published Break Barriers. And, and to Roger's point, um, one of the really cool things about how it all came about was there was such an organic vibe behind the release. I called Roger a couple of days before because I needed a photographer. I, and up until the day of, uh, I wasn't sure that the books were even going to make it to the actual release party. Um, and, and so um, the journey has been very natural and organic and all of the lessons that led to where we are today were driven by this young child who just was trying to figure it out and who had to deal with one rejection after the other, whether it was from a doctor, whether it was from someone at school, whether it was from a coach. Um, and ultimately, um, you know, long story short, that's what brought us here today. And I think that's great. I think the greatest takeaway is I didn't even know that you Googled how to write a book. And that's great because that's what I call being resourceful. And I truly believe that when someone wants something bad enough, they figure it out one way or another. And you understood that you didn't have someone in your rearview mirror to help you write that book. So you'll use the internet as that resource. Throughout the time that you were fighting leukemia, right? You said at three, I'm not really sure with what were those moments growing up as a kid? Did you, did, did, were things different for you in the sense of were you allowed to be as active? Because we met during arguably one of the toughest competitions ever, you know, known as Turf Wars with the gym based in New York City Tone House. And, you know, that's how you and I got connected. But, you know, it's since then I, you run marathons, you're, you're constantly active. Uh, was that a battle that you had growing up as a kid? Absolutely. And it was a battle on both fronts from a physical front and from a, a mental front, from a physical front, because I was under so much treatment, chemo, radiation um, as a child, you know, it was undoubtedly and it was very noticeable that I was just slower than all the other kids. And, you know, for any basketball players out there listening to this, I was always last on those suicide lines. And it, it killed me because yeah. I had a pretty good jump shot, but I, I was just always last on those suicide lines. And I never understood why um, I couldn't keep up with the other kids. And, um, you know, I even I even talk about that experience in particular um, as a child and, and how um, it was really hard to explain to someone at that point in their life why. Like they couldn't do something they so strongly believed that, you know, they had a regular body like everybody else. But um, I was definitely slowed down by, by all the medication that I was under. Um, and from a, a mental perspective, the, there was a constant message of, not only can you not keep up with these kids, but you'll never be able to keep up with these kids and that you don't belong with these kids and that you don't belong on this team and that you'll never make a team and that you don't deserve to wear a jersey. And, and so it, it was essentially that cultivation or that marriage of the physical and the mental that once I got a clean bill of health, you know, for lack of a better expression, I was like, F this, I'm going to prove everybody wrong now. Right. Uh, and, and so that was the start. It was when I was 13, I had brain surgery. Um, and then I got my clean bill of health. And that's when life kind of started all over again. That's amazing. What point did you realize that it was 
up to you to decide if you were capable of it or not. Because you going through so many of these things, as in brain surgery, I didn't even know that, brain surgery, chemo, and being at such a young age, you're told, as you said, you can't, you can't, you can't, you don't belong. Where was that switching point of saying you do belong and that you are worthy of competing with the people that you believe that you're supposed to be competing with? Because that's insane self-doubt, not even that you've created, but the world has put onto you, right? Um, one of the blessings that came out of everything that I went through was that I became immune to, to failure and I became immune to pain. And, and the reason for that is physically, I was literally, uh, you know, immune to pain after going through a brain surgery and, and kind of all the treatment that I had been through and all the needles and everything. So that was fine. But it was also the constant, uh, even when you think about hearing from a doctor that you can't do something that you want to do as a child, like I, I want to go swimming or I want to just do something that regular kids do when they're active that at certain points in my life I couldn't do because I had tubes in places that maybe didn't condone it. And so um, it, it was moments like that where once I got that green light, I was like, I can handle any form of rejection at this point, right? I can get cut from a team. I can get, you know, turned down by a group of friends. I can get turned down by a girl. I can get so-and-so like there, I can get, you know, not hired for a job, I can, you know, not cross a finish line, it doesn't matter, because I'm going to get back up, because that's what I always did as a child. And I made it in the end as a child. So, um, you know, and, and what I went through back then hasn't been nearly as bad as anything that I've seen since. Um, and so I, I kind of laid the, or I set the bar um, in terms of how far I can go and, and how much I can keep getting back up. When you were going through all this fight, what was the support like with your family and your peers and your friends? Was it something that you felt like you were constantly by yourself or what was that like? Because again, that is some serious life experiences that you're going through at such a young age, talking about death, right? That thought the uncertainty of life um, and the uncertainty of your own health. That's really out of your control. Um, you know, you're doing your best and I'm sure your parents, as you said, when they migrated to help when you got diagnosed was doing their part, but what was that like growing up? Yeah, it's, it's a mixed bag. And so like my parents were phenomenal and obviously without them, um, I wouldn't be where I am today. And, and one of the things that they really did, um, and that I hone in on was they really helped me shift my perspective and they constantly hammered home the idea of you wouldn't been you would never have been dealt these cards if you weren't built to handle them. And that was something that kind of really stuck out with me um, that I talk about today. Uh, and, and it's something that I kind of tell other people when I hear them um, going through whatever it is that, you know, they're looking for guidance on. Um, so my parents were there and they definitely played, played their role as parents. But, you know, there was always the obstacle. And if anyone listening to this is coming from a different country or is an immigrant of sorts whose parents weren't raised here, there's always that element of, you know, they were figuring it out too. They were assimilating, you know, they were getting settled. They were moving to a new country, starting a new life, uh, and probably were mainly concerned about the doctors more than anything else at that point. Uh, And so from a social aspect, uh, a lot of it was... um, individual learning. Like I I had to fail 
over and over with regards to how I communicated with my peers. I had to fail over and over again with trying to um, fit in and, and maybe impress those around me or just be a normal kid. Um, so that, that part was a little bit more challenging, but you know, the support system from a parental perspective was obviously great. When you finally got the chance to ring the bell during NASDAQ, can you explain to the viewers and listeners how that came about and how great that feeling must have been? Yeah. So, um, for all you listeners out there, I never talked about my story. I basically went on 25 to 30 years of my life without sharing what I had gone through um, as a child. And a lot of my friends didn't even know what I had been through. So in 2017, um, I decided to run the New York City Marathon. In order to run the marathon, I had to raise money for charity. Um, and uh, I decided to raise money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. It just made sense just because of you know having leukemia. Um, and so it was the very first time I had an opportunity to even release my story like from the inside. So I put it down on paper and it was one page of paper and I titled it, the comeback is always greater than the setback. Um, and I started writing and writing and I made sure that I wasn't going to just tell a biographical narrative of like, this is when I got sick. This is when I, you know, got my clean bill of health. This is how bad cancer is. no, I wanted to talk about the story and the narrative of overcoming obstacles and, and breaking barriers. Um, so I wrote down that piece of paper and Roger, to be completely honest, I almost never came out with it. I was nervous. I was vulnerable. I, I said, no one's really going to care or donate. And I thought to myself, um, if I share this, I'm going to be pretty exposed at this point. So I sat on it for a couple of weeks and I, um, decided to finally build up the courage to show it to uh, a professional mentor at that point. Um, and I really felt comfortable with this person. Um, never really kind of crossed the bounds from professional to personal, but I wanted to use this as the opportunity to. Yeah. So I showed him that piece of paper and he smiled at it and he laughed because he said, well, what, what's your fundraising goal? And I said, well, it's $3,000. And he said, Bashoy, you need to make your goal $100,000 he gave me one of my first donations of a thousand dollars and he said, go. Uh, and so all of a sudden it clicked that, Oh my God, somebody, somebody believes in me and somebody believes in the story that I've been holding on to with the power of a lifetime at this point. And so, um, slowly it trickled out. I just kind of texted it to friends, then social media. I didn't know what I was doing back then. And so like, I was kind of just, slowly pa passing it out. I didn't even blast it at that point. And a thousand turned into 5,000, turned into 10, turned into 15. And um, through um, a mutual friend who was on the board of a not-for-profit who had rung the closing bell at NASDAQ, he said to me, hey, do you mind if I share your story with my contact over there? And I said, yeah, sure. No problem. I didn't think anything was going to happen to it. And I didn't think anyone was ever going to call me or anything like that. But a week later, I got an email and it said, closing bell is a go on October 31st, 2017. And so before I knew it, I was scrambling. I remember I was at my desk. I worked at JP Morgan at the time. And the funny thing about it was um, CNBC was in every TV screen in, in the bank. And 
I didn't even know how to tell people that I'm just going to casually leave work today and go ring the closing bell and you're probably going to see me on TV. Uh, and I didn't ultimately tell them. And the next day they came in, I came into work and they're like, so were you going to tell us that you were going to do that? <laughs> so that, that's kind of how it works, but it was, it was surreal. It was incredible, but it all started with that little piece of paper and really the belief of a mentor who just said, no man like you need to aim higher and your story is extremely powerful um and even if it impacts just one person it's worth it to give it all you got how much did you end up fundraising um so for the 2017 marathon we raised over 50 but to date we've raised over a hundred thousand dollars um in aggregate to various um not-for-profits um you know as a platform kept building um including the book and everything uh we've reached over a hundred thousand dollars so it's crazy because when he said raise a hundred thousand dollars i thought that was the craziest thing ever now i look back and i'm like i can't believe i raised a hundred thousand dollars since he said that that's amazing you rang the NASDAQ bell. You're at JP Morgan. Uh, I would love to for bring it in context. You know, you said the book itself, um, you referred to earlier being vulnerable, not used to it. You're going on the NASDAQ bell. You don't even tell your coworkers. They, they could look up at the screen and you'll be there. So it's evident that you had not this self-doubt, but almost like this limiting belief of that you couldn't do more and that you're not quote unquote worth more, almost like what you were told as a child. But you're then, to the contrary, you're doing it. You know, you're, you're fighting the fight. What is that little thing you keep telling yourself in your head to keep doing more? Because it's evident that the world is telling you one thing and you're always doing another. But then you have moments where you don't step into it, but you do it. You don't need to tell the world that you're doing it. And I think that's something so powerful because we live in a world now where so many people talk and not enough people are walking the walk yeah. and you're in a way doing the reverse, which is you're like, I don't need to tell people I'll do it. And if things come from it, then I'll share. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that, and I, I've never articulated this. So, you know, the words are going to come together, but there's a balance of, of humility and persistence that I think need to be, need to coexist. And so as for instance, NASDAQ was happening, for sure, there was a limiting belief. Like I, I did not believe that I necessarily belonged on that stage because I didn't believe I was going to raise any money, right? I, I, I didn't think I was going to raise any money. All of a sudden, I was raising enough money to get asked to be on national TV and, and to be in front of a uh, major platform and speaking in front of, at that point, hundreds if not thousands of people um, yeah. in the days leading up to it. Um, and so um, a part of it was surreal. But I think about everything that happened since then up until today, um, where I was always persistent. You know, I always made sure that I put my message out there. Um, and I, I think I talked about it recently um, where I said I kept talking even when I thought no one was listening. <laughs> and so, you know, there's a lot of times actually, even, even from a social media. What do you tell yourself during that? Like, that's something, that's another lesson right there where you're so, you're, you're so strong about how you feel and what you're doing. Like, what do you tell yourself? That, that's something very hard to do. That's similar to posting a video on Instagram and getting 10 views. Yeah. And, and that's exactly where I was going at that. Even from a social perspective, like I, 
a lot of times I'm like, I'm going to put this out there because even if just one person is positively impacted, I don't have much to lose. Right. And, and so that's kind of the way that I look at it in terms of what was I in this for from the beginning? I, I wasn't in this for, for anything else other than the sole purpose of if I can help somebody else overcome an obstacle, then that that's all this is for. Um, and so that's why I continue to put it out there. And every now and then, you know, I'll find out that like one person was positively impacted and that'll keep me going. And then like, that's it. And, and I, I told someone recently that the moment that I start to feel that this is no longer organically happening is the moment I'll probably, you know, maybe step away or kind of take a sidestep from it. Um, but it's continued to kind of evolve in a very organic manner. What has been books that you love to read? that allowed you to create this mindset because you come from a business financial background, uh, now an author. Uh, I'm sure you're reading books that are intellectually challenging you or allowing you to grow more. Is there any books that you could share with those listening and watching? Yeah, there was one book in particular, the third door, um, that I read right before I actually published break barriers and it was just coincidental someone recommended it to me uh but the author alex banian um resonated with me uh especially when it came to his persistence and his vulnerability when it came to admitting that throughout various parts of his path um he was quite simply just persistent and putting it out there um in spite of the fact that many people were not listening. Um, and he talks about the, like his book writing process at one point during the book and how he didn't know how to get in front of a publisher and how he got rejected by a million publishers. And he just kind of kept at it. And, and that was very timely for me right before my book was just about to get released because like I said, I, I Googled it. Like I didn't know what I was doing from the day I Googled it till the day you and I were at the book release. Uh, But it was reassuring to see someone else kind of go through that. Um, And overall, his story is very cool. So I definitely recommend The Third Door for anyone uh, out there. What was the greatest lesson you learned with publishing your book? (sighs) So many lessons. From a book perspective, um, one of the things that I, I learned was Um, when writing a book, you could have a million good thoughts, but it's not about how many good thoughts you have. It's literally giving the reader a reason to flip from one page to the next and making the reader want to go from page one all the way to the end of the book. And so when I first wrote my book, one of the things that I Googled was how many words you need to write to hit a hundred pages, just because I thought that was a respectable amount of pages. And it was 20,000 words. And I just wrote a little bit every day. And eventually I hit this hundred pages. It was just a very long word document and I didn't know what to do with it. And I eventually got connected to an editor through a close friend of mine. And um, I showed the editor this word document (laughs) and he essentially made me write three times the amount that I gave him because he was like, sure, you've got a lot of good content here, but at the end of the day, you can't just word vomit good ideas. You need to actually give the reader like a reason to want to go from one page to the next. Um, And so that was, you know, something that I I share with anyone tells me that they want to write a book is I'm sure you got a lot of good ideas out there. I'm sure your story is going to add up, but don't forget like, 
the way that you transition the book, the way that the book flows is just so important. Um, and so that would probably be the biggest lesson from a, from a writing perspective. What did you realize once the book was published? If you could have done better, you would have. Um, no, I'm very happy actually with how the book turned out. I, I don't have any regrets about it. The reason I don't is because I, my editor was just incredible. He was, He became a borderline therapist for me throughout those nine months when I was writing the book, because this guy was reading every page of my life, literally every single day. <laughs> and so, you know, like every single day I was talking about everything that I had went through in life. And he was giving me, you know, not just feedback, but he was giving me um, co- like a sense of compassion that I had never felt before. So there was just so much heart and energy put into writing the book that, I can't say that I would do anything differently about it for what it is. It's a good book in my opinion. Um, One of the other things that I was very cognizant of, and um, when you write a book, you have the option of either going through a traditional publishing house or self-publishing. And I I particularly was adamant about self-publishing because of the fact that it was my story and I wanted to tell it my way and I didn't want any sort of edits or cuts in it. And, and uh, quite frankly, like even leading up to the book release, I had zero expectation of a single book sale. Like at that point, it was more about just getting this book done. And if anyone's going to buy it, that was fine. And then, you know, here we are today. But um, I, I think that helped having that mindset of I'm writing this for me. I'm writing this to tell the message I want to tell. Um, and if, if it sells, great. When you finally released the book and you had that release party, you're surrounded by all your loved ones and those supportive. I know you went on to the second floor of that, the, the, the establishment we were at and you're giving your speech. What was that feeling like to, to, to be in that moment and accept that all these people were there for you and that they were there to champion that book and what you've been able to do. Um, I, I'm just curious of that perspective of an author who's, came out with his book and he, he's had that moment to, to reflect if you even had that moment. You know, it felt a little bit like what they say your wedding day feels like essentially where like, it just kind of flies by and, and, you know, to kind of enjoy, enjoy the moment. Um, so, you know, it was a, it was a quick moment, but I, I, I'll never forget it. And I'll never forget, um, the people that invested the time and energy to make every part of that night happen. Um, and, and so, um, I, I never thought I would have as many partnerships as I did that night. Um, and it was just people who gave and gave and gave, whether they gave the space, whether they gave money, whether they gave product, you know, like, 10 year old Bishoy didn't think he was going to have friends. 33 year old Bishoy, 31, whenever I was when I published that, 31 year old Bishoy had partnerships with, like, and as you know, some of the most major brands in New York City. Right. Um, and so, and it was all, all on a whim um, and, and, and stuff that I didn't know what I was doing, but I, I somehow got all of these really important people to me and all these really important people to our community to not only believe in me, but then to invest in me. Um, and so that, that's never going to go away as, as a kind of a feeling of appreciation for that moment and for that day. I love that.
What's been some of the greatest business lessons you've learned with being from corporate to now we're working on growing your social presence as an individual and building your personal brand and becoming that motivational educator uh, that you want to be known as online? You know, um, it, it's definitely been an interesting journey of, of growth. And I, um, I feel like you're one of the people that have been there to kind of watch it and, and the transition, which is very unique. Um, one of the things that I learned from the corporate world is that at the end of the day, um, you can't let anyone else put a valuation on you because they're either going to most likely they're going to undervalue you. Um, and so you always need to be aware of, you know, what your valuation is and not be willing to settle for, for less than that. Um, and that was a lesson that took a little while to build up from a um, professional perspective. And it helps now that I kind of move into this arena of let's call it entrepreneurship where I know where my value stands and I'm okay being on the ride until I finally feel like I got to where I need to be. Um, and, and so uh, I think it's a blessing that I, that I kind of went through um, the hurdles and, and the ups and downs of working through a corporate role um, and, and establishing that value uh, because now I know with an entrepreneurial path uh, that the work will pay off. I love that. I think when it comes to an entrepreneur, the journey is the whole thing, right? We, people see the, the end of it uh, with what we post on social or what's gained through media. But ultimately, the greatest gain is the things that allow us to get there, which are the trial and errors, the relationships, the, the decisions that we make, right? For you, you're constantly, I think you're at a point right now, you're evolving at a rate that may even surprise you um, because I'm witnessing it. And every time we talk, your, your questions are becoming more insightful. They're becoming more intentional. Um, and I think you do understand where you want to go. As the Bishoy Tadros brand continues to grow off away from, you know, your main nine to five working for Salesforce, where do you see yourself in five years? Um, where do I see myself in five years? That's a good question. Because you asked me that five years ago, I definitely didn't, wouldn't have told you that I had a book published and that I was being speaking on podcasts and I had a YouTube channel out. So um, in five years from now, um, let it out. That moment, no, put it out. No. The same way your mentor said hundred K, I want you to say something so uncomfortable that it will surprise you five years from now. Well, I, I, I mean, from a literal perspective, five years from now, I anticipate being main stage, um, you know, at, at, at various events. And I, I imagine that before five years from now, but certainly in five years from now, but, uh, more so than that. In five years from now, I see my reach with regards to my ability to impact a broader community to be in, in the thousands as opposed to now where it's, um, you know, a, a smaller community that I'm continuing to build. So for me, like my main goal over, over the course of, you know, time is just to reach as many people as possible with a message of if I can do it, you can do it. And, and so five years from now, it's going to be a big audience. I love that. For sure, you've been amazing. I don't want to take any more of your time. 
telling your story, talking about where you are now to where you're going to be. I'm excited to be a part of it. I'm thankful to be a part of it. Um, and I know this is, we're going to part two. It's definitely going to be coming out six months from now to talk about what we've been able to accomplish and what you have going on. Uh, where's the best place people could find you? Uh, best place people can find me is bishoytadros.com. There you'll find uh, a link to purchase break barriers. You'll find a link to my YouTube channel um, and all my social media. Um, so certainly uh, give it a look and feel free to reach out anytime. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you guys, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe to the channel if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're listening through Apple or Spotify, let me know in the comments what you love most about this episode. Thank you again for everyone watching.